Fiction. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of Your Average Critics, joined just a two-man team today by Obi um, and myself. So, let's get straight into it. Um, have we got any film news or... Shit, probably should look some up before we start. Probably should have done, but... Um, uh, so, Daredevil's been cancelled. Yes. So, that is the latest Netflix-Marvel collaboration to be cancelled, um, along with Iron Fist, uh, Luke Cage, and we assume The Defenders... Yeah, definitely. They're all they're all gonna be gone now. I feel like, cause like Chris said, I think they're filming Jessica Jones season three. Yeah, and apparently there's a Punisher season two. So after those two, you gotta imagine they're just gonna be kaput now. Yeah. Which, to be honest, I don't really mind. Why? Less, I thought like Daredevil season three. So it was, it like was the very Marvel. good. It was very very good. But the way it ended, I feel like it's a good. It's a good. It was a good place to end. I think. Okay. Obviously, there was things like, oh, maybe we'll get balls or blah blah blah. But that aside. And like I said, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, like the way it ended, I don't, I feel like Daredevil couldn't be Daredevil anymore because his name basically been tarnished. Okay. So I feel like for them to end it there, yeah, me, uh, Daredevil, Foggy, and Karen can start up their own firm, or whatever. I'm like, yeah, it's good. It's okay. Like, I feel like it was an. I, I don't feel cheated in any way. I think it was good the way it ended personally. Um, whereas I feel like Iron Fist and Luke Cage, I feel like they were kind of like open ended. Where yeah. They, I feel like there was another story that we could have gotten out of that which we're not going to see now, which is a shame, but I'm not overly fussed about it because they're not, I think Chris said a while ago, they're not brilliant TV shows. Like They, yeah. they are decent. Yeah, solid enough. So. But I think, um, again, as they did with Iron Fist and uh, Luke Cage, um, Netflix tweeted that, you know, Daredevil will be around, but just in not on Netflix, mm. as in like the character. So I'm wondering, are they, surely they're lining them up to put them into the MCU somehow. Well, Daredevil doesn't have to be a violent character, neither mm. does Iron Fist. The like, Iron Fist could be quite kind of cartoon, not cartoony, but mm. you know, it could be a bit light, lighter. Yeah. Um, Luke Cage could be a kind of strong man mm. in the sense of Hulk. The only one that is inherently violent is is Punisher, really. Yeah. Um, and I guess Deadpool. Um, mm. But yeah, so, I mean, the the shows will remain on Netflix because they are Netflix produced, but mm. I wonder if we'll see these characters in other other media. I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't. I don't I wonder if there's a part of me, well, there's a part of me that thinks maybe Disney were like, okay, so we've got these, um, these sh- we're planning to bring out these shows and we don't want anyone else to, like any other TV show to potentially fill out our, the, the superhero teacher quite if that makes sense so yeah like kind of like, so, so they're, they're trying to kind of maybe like not eliminate the competition because it's all Disney at the end of the day but maybe if they're like okay if we take away uh, all these Netflix ones then people might need to get their superhero TV show fix somewhere else and they might can turn to Disney Plus or whatever it's called yeah watch their new or ones. it could bite them in the arse and people think oh Black Lightning's on Netflix so we'll um what's the Titans mm. that will be on Netflix mm. so they might think oh I'll just carry on you know I don't need to pay $8 a month every, you know, for Disney Plus, which is going to be a less gritty, Mm. you know, version of of this. Mm. Um, They've got... Them shows are going to be shit, aren't they? Yeah. uh, The the Um, Scarlet Witch title was revealed. It's Scarlet Witch and the Vision. Yuck. There's no... It's so uninspiring. It's unbelievable. Do you know what? I hate them too. I'm not even gonna lie. Like they are, they are my least. They are 100 percent my least favorite MCU characters. Like Vision's just a 
wet wipe and I was just oh you such a waste man like he was wearing like when he was his uh, age of ultra when he was wearing like that like, button down sweater I was just like, <laughs> just like what's going on here and uh, nah he's just a waste and then in Infinity War he was next to useless yeah and yeah he was the only character who I didn't mind died <laughs> yeah that's fair enough and Scarlet Witch is just long like she's just She's just long. <laughs> they've, they've renewed um, Ains of Shield through to season seven. Oh, yeah. So I'm wondering maybe they can put these characters in that. That that can be their like flagship minor character kind of TV yeah. show. I, um, like show. I think they reduced the amount of episodes that show's getting though per oh, season. So okay. maybe maybe they're just doing like this is the final season sort of thing. Maybe. Um, or maybe they like you've I think we've talked about before they're going to do like Daughters of the Dragon or Heroes yeah. for Hire. Yeah. Um, you know on their on Hulu or something mm. um, we'll see I don't even think the mergers with Fox has like fully gone through no, yet I think it has, yeah. this is big dragging on man yeah. like can they just conclude it so we can get some like X-Men in the MCU please <laughs> um, any other film related news well there was rumours of the Infinity War trailer dropping oh yeah it was completely not didn't bollocks so I mean it's December now so I feel like so <laughs> so like for us personally well, so obviously this is a big rumour yeah but for us personally, Chris posted a picture in the group of a, of a link to an article just saying that, like, this is not a drill. Avengers is being posted. Avengers trailer is coming tomorrow. And this is on Tuesday, I think it was. Yeah. And I would bet all of the money I have in my bank account right now that Chris did not read that article. <laughs> he just saw the headline. Like, I wish I had asked him, have you read it? Because I would like to know, like, if, yeah. if I'd read it and said and saw that there was no, like, I would want to hear it from someone official. Yeah. Otherwise and I also, like, the, he posts from, like, Instagram accounts that's, like, Marvel fans. Or, yeah. You know, it's not, it's not like, Hollywood Reporter yeah. or, or BBC News or Sky Sports yeah. News, you know. It's not credible sources. Exactly, yeah. But, yeah, um, is what it is. So we're still awaiting that. Mm. Still awaiting the title. Um, and the trailer. What else has happened? I feel like other stuff has happened. I can't think of anything. <laughs> Maybe there's something non-superhero related, but uh, nah. unlikely. Nah. Well, let's keep it with the uh, superhero theme, in a sense. Mm. So we watched Ralph Breaks the Internet uh, the other day, which is... That's a loose, that's a loose connection. No, they have... A, <laughs> that is a loose... They, they have several Marvel characters that was, in it. That was a very briefly. loose... That was a very loose segue, but fair enough. Try and, try and mate. Mm. Um, so Ralph Breaks the Internet is, aka Wreck-It Ralph 2. Um, but you've watched Wreck-It Ralph in preparation for this, yeah. so... So do you want to just give us a quick run through where we're at by the time we get to Ralph Breaks the Internet? Yeah, so Wreck-It Ralph. Um, so what happens? Ralph is a bad guy in a really old video game. And basically he's like misunderstood and he's sick of being a bad guy and people treat him like shit. And so he wants to become a hero so people like start cheering him and stuff because he wants a bit of adulation. And um, he runs off into some other game, steals a medal and then runs off into another game and meets this girl called Vanellope, and then loses medal, and then they have some like load of hijinks to try and get the medal back, <laughs> and then they become friends in the end. At the end of the day, and yeah, it's a, it's a nice little film. To be honest, it's it's. I say now, I think I prefer the second one, but it's a it's a pretty decent film, and I do like films that kind of like try to be clever. Whereas, yeah. like you know, your classic Disney stories, they just kind of like try and tell a story about a princess or you know. Fox and the Hound or Peter Although Vanellope does whatever. turn out to be a princess. Well, true. And she is saved by, by Ralph. That's true. Which they kind of take the piss out of in this yeah, film. Yeah, it's true. But I remember really liking Wreck-It Ralph. I was very surprised by it. Mm. Um, 
you know, I think I think the idea is quite good that you know, yeah, he's a, a textbook arcade villain, yeah. but but he actually is just like, oh no, he wants to. He wants his own of, narrative. Yeah. It's kind of like a Toy Story in that when the when like when the lights go off and everyone like goes home, they all like come into their own and they can all, yeah. travel around. I, I quite like that aspect of it because that's the thing I like about Toy Story is that like obviously when um when uh, is it Andy. When Andy yeah. comes back in, everyone's just like, play dead. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is kind Although of Although someone said, I saw, um, what if, like, all the Toy Story characters died, um, but Andy would never know and would continue playing with their corpses? That's dark. That is deep. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, we digress. I remember really liking um, Wreck-It Ralph for, like, the, the way that they kind of play on certain, um, like, arcade game tropes like you got some of the characters are pixelated and they will yeah. jump in like a really staccato way um and, and yeah just like it was, it was kind of nostalgic in that sense um and i think that's what i really appreciated about it they there was good like humor within the mm. the, the concepts that they've built um wreck it ralph 2 which we'll call it um continues that um although i was worried at the beginning so wreck it ralph 2 or ralph breaks the internet sees him and vanellope need to go into the internet to find a steering wheel because the arcade game that Vanellope uh, is in, which is called Sweet Sweet Racer or something, like um, Sugar 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 Rush Sugar Rush, yeah, yeah. So the the steering wheel for that breaks and and the only there's only one in existence on eBay yeah. and so they have to try and find money and, and get it back. Um, initially, I was, there were so many references to eBay in the first like 15 minutes. I was thinking, bloody hell, this is just going to be like a, a glorified advert and mm. it's like very sellout and commercial. And I was a bit like put off by that. Mm. Um, and also when Ralph and Vanellope go into the internet, it's just full of of kind of, you know, Facebook, YouTube, BuzzFeed, Pinterest, all these brands that you recognise. Mm. And I don't know, for, for me... That was different to how Ready Player One uses their kind of um, intellectual property. Mm. So they, they've got characters from different video games and it was quite... Again, so did Wreck-It Ralph the first time, which was quite nostalgic because it's just like you're pointing out characters going, oh my God, is that Sonic? Was that mm. so-and-so? Whereas this, because they're brand names rather than like characters, I think it just felt a bit, a bit more like, I don't know, underhand, a bit... Underhand, a bit commercial. <laughs> fair enough. It was just like, I don't agree with her. It was just like you know Disney were like, oh, who wants to give us some money to have their their right. brand for front and center of this? Um, so the first twenty minutes, I wasn't that engaged with it. I didn't really laugh. Mm. Um, the first time I remember laughing was when they're at the knowledge base and oh, they're yeah. searching for tutus because yeah. Desmond tutu, Desmond's tutus. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that's hilarious. Um, but as the film went on, um, I really did get into it and I did really enjoy it in the yeah. end. Find it funny. Um, I feel, I feel like the relationship between Ralph and Vanellope, for me, doesn't grow as m- that much. I mean, it kind of gets not not toxic, but like to the point where like Ralph's like obsessive sort of thing. Yeah. And it's like I feel that I don't know. This might be I might be catching things out of thin air, but I feel like their relationship was kind of uh, symbolising a more adult relationship than it actually was. If that if that yeah. makes sense. So like where to the point where someone like a, a man and a woman in relationship obviously this isn't the case in the film but in a man and woman relationship one of the partners can get sincerely clingy to the point where they actually like tr- actively try and sabotage that other person's life so like yeah. you need me sort of thing yeah so, it, it was, didn't feel like a friendship but more like yeah like a relationship yeah. which is weird considering Ralph's a 
grown man and grown, Penelope's grown, grown toy. child. Mm. But um, but yeah, so I, again, I felt like the way that they they used references to the internet uh, and again to other video games mm. like was really well kind of rendered and thought out. Um, so you got like uh, the way that each person who logs onto the internet has kind of has a, like, a yeah. cubed avatar and, yeah. and then like you have a physical shopping cart in, yeah. in uh, Amazon and you know all the, the traffic yeah. the internet traffic is like slow because of build up and you know I did, I did find it funny when um they were doing the eBay thing and, and they were like bidding the thing and they just kept the two of them just kept bidding and there was like one avatar and I was like Looking yeah. at them like, what? <laughs> and they ended up like $27,000 for a steering wheel. And all the pop-ups. It's like, click here for, you know. Thing is, I actually really enjoyed how, like, uh, they clicked on one of the pop-ups and then they went to, like, this, like, proper dingy, like, yeah. proper seedy place. I think that was quite, that was quite funny. And also, again, like, um, when they go into the, the, the danger race, I can't, again, can't remember um, the name of it. Slaughter race. I slaughter think. race. So there's the avatars in there and they also walk in a really, like, sim-like way, mm. like, really jumpy. Um, and again, I just like little touches like that make you really think that they've really put a lot of effort into mm. into the world building here. Mm. Um, the plot itself was was fine. Like it covers quite a bit of of you know general internet, like um, obviously like online gaming. Um, then you've got like people trying to make money on t- on the internet yeah. through social media. That's a big part of it, like memes and like lines YouTube and things. And that, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I think there, there's a good message there because there's a point when Ralph goes into the comments section yeah. and he sees like, oh, Ralph sucks, like you know, blah blah blah, you know, like trolling, and and then you've got Yes, who's one of the characters. She's like a pied piper. Um, she's like, oh, don't don't worry about that. The internet brings the best and the worst out of people. So I think for children watching it, it's probably that like, there's quite good messages there. Um, I thought again there was a good kind of metaphor. So the whole point is that Ralph is insecure about his friendship with Vanellope because Vanellope's mm. bored of of Sugar Rush. She wants yeah. to, you know, just she general, wants... she's generally bored of life in the arcade because they do the same thing like every day. Yeah, she wants to have different tracks, different cars, yeah. different, you know, just a bit of variation. Yeah. And then when she finds Slaughter Race, she's kind of found her dream, um, and yeah, and that makes him insecure. And then I think the way that they kind of analogise that as as a virus and it's looking for insecurities in the code and he turns out to be the biggest insecurity Mm. Um, I thought that was really well done I also thought from a plot point the fact that at the end Penelope and Ralph are still friends but they're in different parts so Ralph is back at the arcade and Penelope's in the internet at Slaughter Race like I thought they'd probably end up back at at the arcade and it'd be kind of back to square one but Mm. I think it's kind of it shows like a proper friendship you know like we're all kind of going through that now of people moving away or, you know, going, when we went to university. So it's kind of like, mm. you can see how it is kind of mirroring a different stage of, of life or mm. friendship. Yeah, what, what about you? What did you think? Um, yeah, same as you. I, I'm, I quite liked the first I liked the whole thing, everything they did with the internet. Like, I thought it was quite a unique way of showing how everything works. So, like, obviously, with, like, all the avatars and everything like that, and even them, like, getting hooked up to the Wi-Fi, and then they all get their game pods, and they shoot off into, like, the central bit. The, um... I can't remember the guy's name, the Ask Jeeves bit. The, like, that guy. Even when he's, like, trying to guess, like... When they say, oh, can you help me with any saying... And he also he's like, yeah, also feel, yeah. I thought that was, that was really that funny. That was funny, yeah. And, um... 
And um, what else did I like? The bit where they obviously built, they bid for the eBay thing. They win it obviously because they bid way too much. Yeah. And then they are asked for credit card details. Like yes, seven. It's like uh no, it's eleven. She's like those aren't credit card numbers. Like I think they are. And then he's like well pissed off and he's just like running, trying to slap through like some hologram thing. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Um, I think Ralph in general is just quite funny. Um, for hitting his, I think his voice lends. I think it's John C. John Riley. C. Riley. His yeah. voice lends to that as well. He's got a very humorous, humorous voice. I think. Yeah, it sounds kind of childish, yeah. doesn't it? Like yeah. I don't think if he sounded like someone with a deeper, you know, more adult voice, yeah. that he'd it'd sound as well, as good. Well, what about all the references that we see then? So not only the Facebook, the YouTube's, all the references to eBay, but you've got like so. There's a point when uh, they walk through, um, and you've got like Mar- lots of Disney, Marvel, yeah. Disney characters. Yeah. It's basically like he sent it to Disney. They sent yeah, she was um she said can I be like a pop up ad, and they sent her to uh to Disney. Oh to, yeah, to that's it. So then you see like stormtroopers, you see Groot, Iron Man, Stan Lee cameo. Mm. We were talking about that last week. We didn't expect mm. one from Wreck It Ralph, too. Um, again, and then obviously all the princesses. Mm. Um, what did you think about that? Because again, maybe I'm just being really cynical. I think you are being cynical. I was just like, okay, we know that you have all these properties, like. You need to like ram them down our face. You, are, I mean, you're being cynical because you, you didn't you just say like you. Um, I liked it with um, Ready Player One, but that's you said the, you didn't like Ready Player One. <laughs> I didn't like Ready Player One, but I liked all the oh, uh, those, okay, okay. those references. But again, that's because they got them from so many different places. Right, okay. This was just like, hey, we're Disney. We have all of this. I think I just kind of had to had to do that to be honest, because like. If I, I feel like if they had done it and they only showed us like I don't know like one stormtrooper and then like Cinderella we would have been like oh where were the rest of them sort of thing yeah and I I didn't mind it I liked the the um because obviously there wasn't like they weren't super focused on them it was no. just like little little nods here and there yeah. obviously the stormtroopers got a little bit because they were chasing a Vanellope so they got a little bit more more screen time whatever and obviously the bit with the princesses I thought was really clever and like watching that scene I think because that scene was in the trailer or at least mm. part of the trailer that's what made me want to watch Wreck-It Ralph in the first place because I thought it was because I thought it was really clever how like obviously they turned like the whole um, what was they say like uh, like were you poisoned like uh, what, yeah. they, what they say like oh it's just all the the kind of the classic like um, things that happen to Disney princesses basically yeah 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 and then she was like no I haven't like <laughs> all the stereotypes yeah. all and the she... narrative kind of generic narrative points and um it's like why don't you sing about your problems yeah yeah, yeah. And, you know and yeah oh, look, into, it... look into a well yeah <laughs> and then um who's it I think Ariel starts singing and then Venefi's like is anyone else anyone else seeing this or something like why did you break out the song <laughs> she's just like then, steering wheel yeah oh that was that was jokes yeah um and then um, when they yeah, one of the things that made me laugh for the most was when um, I think Jasmine, Princess Jasmine says, do you have daddy issues? And then she was like, I don't even have a mum. And then all of them were like, never do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, that and was then cool. they do, they do kind of subvert the uh, princess narrative at the end yeah. when Ralph is in danger. Oh, all, yeah. all the big princesses strong, yeah. are like, there's a big strong man yeah, yeah, in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and also maybe Crease was, um, so one of the princesses is brave. Um, <laughs> who's part of Pixar, which Disney do own, but um, so then when she gets a chance to talk, like she's Scottish and there's this unintelligible Scottish accent, mm. and then everyone's like, "What did yeah, she say?" Yeah, and we then, never know what she's. <laughs> she's from the other studio, which I thought was, <laughs> that was good, quite, funny, not, yeah. quite. Yeah, this film's quite self-referential, yeah. which and even like I do appreciate, even like um, 
how they all admired that Vanellope's just start wearing regular clothes. Yeah. And they all just start wearing like their own clothes with like little slogans on them and stuff like Nap that. Nap Queen. Yeah, Nap Queen. <laughs> and like just let it go. Just let it go. Yeah, yeah. stuff like that. I think it's like, it really clever and I really enjoy little things like that. Yeah. I think it, it does work on both an adult and a child level because the children in the audience seem to really enjoy yeah. it. That from, you know, what we could tell. Um, yeah, so I thought, I thought it was a good film. Mm. Um, I do wonder though. So they were gone for at least 24 hours. Yeah, because of the eBay thing. So I want to know what happened to um, to Ralph's game whilst he was gone. Because in the first film, he leaves and the game's fucked and they're about to all get like the uh, written off and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder what happened when when he was when he fucked off for that like at least twenty at least a whole day. Yeah, so I wonder true. if they put his game up for sale or whatever, or say it was broken or not. I don't know. Doesn't really matter, but still. I do want to play that slaughter race. It looked good. It looked cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you said you preferred it to the first one. I think what so. was it about this one that you preferred? Is it recency um, bias or? I saw them within one day of each other. So oh, <laughs> can't be that that recent recency bias. Um, I don't know. I feel like I think I just preferred like the little nods in this one because like I said there were there were a lot of like those little you know like Amazon tier eBay tier like that sort mm-hmm. of thing but I enjoyed those little things there wasn't as much of them in there but in the first one but obviously in the first one there was more like oh, I recognise that character I recognise that character sort of thing but um, yeah I don't know I think I think the second one's a bit funnier okay um, yeah I don't know I think I just preferred it. overall I preferred it not to say that, that the first one's bad I quite enjoyed the first one but yeah I, just think I like the second one too do you think they'll leave it at this uh, I reckon one more you think yeah mm. I don't know what they would do no, I don't either. Mm. But there's six years between the the two of them, so mm. maybe they'll maybe in six years' time we'll find out. Mm. Um, so what would you give Wreck It Ralph two out of ten? Um, seven point five. Okay, you I could probably. Yeah, I would. Probably say seven and a half. Yeah. On to Creed. Yeah. And Creed two. So again, you watched Creed before Creed two. Yeah. Um, so again, just keep us up to speed. So Creed is essentially the seventh, seventh film yeah, seventh. in the rock, quote unquote, Rocky franchise. Mm. Um, so yeah, what? Tell us about Creed one. What you thought of it, and then we can talk um, about Creed two. I liked Creed one. Um, I like Michael B. Jordan. I don't think Michael B. Jordan is the greatest actor in the world, but I do like him, and I like a lot of the films that he's in. Mm-hmm. So I suppose he must be a decent, you know. He's an actor in, in that sense. Um, I liked the I, I liked the story because obviously I'd, I've never watched any of the Rocky films, so I don't really know. I didn't really know much of the background behind it apart from what was told to me in the film. So I like how like he did, didn't like his dad died before he was born, and he wants to like prove himself to become a fighter and stuff like that. And obviously goes to meet Rocky, and then they become like you know like a like a surrogate father relationship. Yeah, I, I like I like because Rocky has a problematic relationship with his son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So which like you see in Rocky yeah. Balboa. Mm. So yeah, I liked that aspect of it. Um, I appreciate, I really appreciate um, how they play out the boxing scenes because I imagine those things that's quite hard to choreograph, um, especially because uh, well, I'm assuming that they all the actors all the actors do their own. Uh, I know, assume so. Do yeah. their own stunts and whatnot. So yeah, I assume those. So I really do really appreciate like the just the way they they do the fights and things like that. Um, I liked. Um, what else did I like about the first one? I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed Rocky's performance after he got cancer. From the, I feel like from that point onwards, he was. I thought that like, acting wise, he was. Re- and I've never really been a big Sylvester Stallone fan in the few films I've seen him in. Yeah. But I felt like from there onwards, he was really, really good. And he did get nominated, and people said he should have won. I can't mm. remember who won in his stead, but mm. 
um, yeah, people sort of thinking you've got oh, robbed. Oh, sorry. Done? Mm-hmm. Sorry. And I really liked, um, this is another scene, this is the scene that I really liked is when um, uh, Michael B. Jordan was running through Philadelphia and then he gets all like the uh, the bikers and all that stuff like, on there and he's like, yeah, come join me, come join me, like go and see Rocky sort of thing. Apparently, that whole that bike thing is a really big culture in Philadelphia, oh, okay. apparently, so that's probably, that's why they put it in. That's what I've heard anyway. Um, yeah, and they're all like running and running and he's just like sprinting and then they integrate like, he was, I think it was a, what song was playing before him but they integrated it with the classic uh, Rocky the classic dun, Rocky song dun. yeah and then he's like obviously outside the gym is that saying like, yeah, like getting proper G'd up like, I really enjoyed that bit and um, I think it's nice that he didn't win at the end because does he fight Tony Bellew in he that does one? fight Tony Bellew in that one I was thinking I was sort of thinking like I definitely know who you are but I'm, yeah. I could not I could not put on my... And you had the Liverpudlian actor. I was thinking, oh, I've definitely seen you before. Because I think that would be a problem choreographing as well. Because obviously Tony Bellew's not an actor true. and he's a boxer. True. So if he's like throwing punches, yeah, then he's got to be really careful true, not true, to like, true, punch true. Michael G. Jordan in the face. Yeah. So, okay. So Creed 1, you've got Adonis Creed, who's the son of Apollo Creed. Mm. Apollo Creed dies um, at the hands of Ivan Drago. Mm. I can't remember which rocket it is. But essentially they had an exhibition match. Apollo Creed dies. So Adonis has grown up without a father. He meets Rocky Balboa. Um, Rocky's obviously in his probably 70s by now. Um, and Rocky trains him. He wants to become a fighter like his father. Um, and then he has a... Is it a world title fight at the end and, and loses? Um, yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, and then... in So then Creed 2 starts kind of... He's he's a world champion. He's heavyweight well, yeah, he's champion. Had, he's had like six fights since the end of Creed One, and the lot and the first fight you see him in in Creed Two is the champ is his championship fight again. Yeah. yeah. So he he's a now champion like his father was. Um, Can I just say right? Yeah. That I said this to you after the film, but I I genuinely thought for the first fifteen minutes that Rocky was dead <laughs> and that Creed was talking to his ghost and. I thought this is gonna be a sick twist if they managed to pull it. Like somehow you just see him walk into a grave and he's chatting to someone and you think it's gonna be his dad, but it's actually Rocky. I thought that would have been so good, <laughs> but it wasn't. That wasn't the case, obviously. But the reason I thought that was because just for the first like fifteen minutes or so, Rocky doesn't speak to anyone else apart from Creed. They only, they only talk to each other. So I was thinking that's a bit strange. Mm. And also there was like right at the beginning, um, he's just like chatting to him. Um, in a mirror and I could have sworn there was no reflection in the mirror of, yeah, of, of yeah. Rocky and I was thinking like is he dead? Like, I thought Rocky was the guy fiddling oh, with the stuff. Oh okay. But then it wasn't he comes yeah. in the background. And he's like, even him saying things like, things like what's up with your hair sort of thing I was thinking okay maybe yeah, he's, like you're just imagining him having different hair sort of, I don't know it would have been a good little twist I thought but yeah there wasn't, there wasn't <laughs> But there. it seems like they've completely eschewed the cancer. Does he does he survive, Like, does he get rid of his cancer at the end of Creed or? They don't say. Because in this say. one they're like that's why oh, I thought he might be now dead. Now that you've now that you've yeah. cured, you know, now you're through with your cancer. Yeah, no, he's, um, he's in, um, in Creed 1, he's in, uh, he's having treatment, but they don't actually say, like, your cancer's clear oh, okay. or something. So he doesn't. But yeah, so this one, so then, whilst, obviously, Adonis is world champion, uh, in Ukraine, you see Victor Drago the son of Ivan Drago, um, being... Wham! Wham! Wow, he's wow. His name's Florian Montanal. Mm. He's absolutely huge. huge. Um, Do you know what, sorry, say, the only problem that I have with this film is that those two are clearly different weight classes. Like clearly, completely different weight classes. And in a real, in the real world, those two, I'm pretty sure those two would not fight in a boxing match. Yeah. But not for a championship anyway. So, um, but yes, yeah, so you see Ivan Drago kind of putting all this pressure on Victor, saying, "Look, I lost to Rocky Balboa. I was kicked out of Russia." 
lost all of our respect. You, you know, your mother left me. You need to fight a Donis Creed yeah. to get our respect back. Yeah. Um, Put the weight of the world on his son's shoulders. Yeah, literally, and all of his own failings, which yeah. I think was pretty harsh. Mm. But um, so then you just kind of see the two narratives, like uh, Victor, like fighting, getting his reputation up so that he's able to fight Adonis whilst at the same time there's a promoter mm. who's kind of you know getting in Adonis's head saying like oh this you need to fight this guy mm. um he killed your father like, my legacy and yeah, like that, yeah like you know you're a champion but what's your narrative yeah. and so you need to you know revenge sort of thing um and then midway through you kind of see the two fight and and Victor absolutely pounds him fucks him up that was the only point where I thought I didn't think they were going to fight so soon. No, I didn't So either. it's about, what, 25 minutes in, 30 minutes yeah, in, maybe yeah. they start fighting. And that's where I thought, okay, I know where this is going, sort of thing. But by the time it got to the end of the film, I was like, okay, I didn't mind. Because obviously, you know he's not going to lose in Creed 1 and in Creed 2. Yeah. So like, you know he was going to win, but I, I I enjoyed the journey along the way. Yeah. So, so Adon- uh, Victor beats him, but lands a illegal punch at the end so becomes disqualified so Adonis does actually technically win yeah. that kind of knocks Adonis's confidence yeah. he's like um, got two cracked ribs and yeah, he's in hospital for time and then Victor's like you know I won yeah. I should have won and yeah. so he's like has his confidence um, challenges him to a rematch you got Creed find, uh, Adonis finds out that Bianca's pregnant yeah. so then it's kind of parallel to the, the narrative from the Rocky film where Adon- Apollo Creed dies because, you know, it's like, and there's, they've mentioned that as well. They're yeah. like, well, you know, your father died, left you alone. Like, you can't do the same to your yeah. child. Yeah. Um, there's also quite a nice side narrative where, so Bianca's hearing's going and, yeah. and, and they actually find out that their, their child is I, deaf. Do you know what? That broke my heart, but I really, I enjoyed the fact that the film didn't take the easy way out because the easy way would have been to them like, like, for example, like, he's watching the monitor and there's no, like, signs of hearing. And then all of a sudden she's, like, hearing stuff and she's, like, crying or whatever. And he's, like, oh, mm. thank God, sort of thing. But the way they played out in this film is, like, is it she? She just can't hear. And then you see, like, a tear, tear roll down his eye. And then Bianca sees him crying. That makes her cry because she knows, obviously, like, my baby's deaf, sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I really, that was really emotional. I really, I thought that was really good. And then, obviously, you see the, the classic training montage in the oh, desert. That, that was, that's probably my favourite. Maybe my second favourite part of the film, that, that montage. That was really... I enjoyed that. They do a good montage yeah. in there in Rocky films. I think when they did that, I was like... You know when, like, you're just watching something and you just feel like... You feel like you're with the person who, like... You're yeah. Like, like we, we're doing this together, sort yeah. of thing. That's how, that's how it made me feel. I think that's it's so important for this sort of film. Like, that's how you get invested in the yeah. character. It builds up all that kind yeah. of, like, adrenaline. Yeah. And then, obviously, the final fight between Victor and um, Adonis. Like... Vic- Very well choreographed. Yeah, it? Victor is probably one of the better fighters, but then it's just then you see kind of Adonis coming back, like mm. he's just taking it and taking yeah. it, and and Rocky's like Take, use the pain, like yeah. channel it, and I think it's it ended up being a war of attrition because Victor's like going eleven rounds like yeah. he's never done before. Yeah. I think said the most he'd done is four or something. Like that. Yeah, and yeah. then then you kind of see his mama tend but then leave early and that that breaks that, it. Yeah, he's, like, after that done. he's done yeah, yeah he's and, and Adonis obviously ends up winning um, albeit yeah. pretty battered um, and there, there was a point in so like yeah there was a couple points in the film so there was that bit where his mum left and you could tell like because even before that um, there's a scene where um, Victor and uh, uh, and his dad they've been invited to a dinner by like all these Russian people and they're kind of like after Victor like battered um, 
Adonis. And they're all kind of like congratulating him, like saying, oh, like, yeah, you're going to win now. Like, we all love you sort of thing. And then Victor's like, what the f-? like kind of like, what the fuck? Like, like, and then the, the mum walks in and he's like, he like walk, he walks out and then him and his dad start arguing, saying like, why are you, why are we even associating with these people? Like, these people abandoned us. They, yeah, they yeah. threw you out of the country. Like, why, why are we even doing this? And then what did the dad say? What did, the, what did even Dragon say in response? I can't even remember. Well, he's just like, you know, such our chance to go home yeah. sort of thing. And, and then that, yeah. and then Victor's like, I don't even know that woman. She's yeah. a stranger to me. She's yeah. not my mother. See, like, it proper made me like, I was, thinking, I was saying to you, this is what I love about certain films when you've got a protagonist and an antagonist. I like to know, I like to see the antagonist as like, a, at least a vulnerable character or at least to yeah. know where they're coming from. I thought from. Victor had a very good art. Yeah, even though he's got like, two lines, three lines. He barely says anything, yeah. which I thought was a bit of an issue. But when he does, like his, the most amount of lines he has is in the argument. Yeah. And I think he delivers them very well. Do you know what I really appreciate as well? Is, which a lot of films don't do, is that foreign characters speak in their own language. Yeah, yeah. Rather than they suddenly they come to America and they're just speaking English. Like, no, <laughs> we are we are Russian or we Ukrainian or whatever. We are going to speak in Russian and just have some subtitles. Like, yeah. I much prefer that. I also thought the way that Florian Montanao uses his facial expressions. Like, this guy's not an actor, yeah. but he's like... Is he a boxer in real life? Yeah. Okay. But so much of, of his performance is through his face, mm-hmm. like reacting to what people say or mm-hmm. how people are treating him. And I thought the little kind of ticks he does or the way you know he responds reacts physically to something i mm. thought was really well done mm. um, and i actually thought he was a really good actor and i was kind of thinking to myself if he wins i wouldn't be that disappointed because yeah. i really liked him i'm kind of rooting that's kind of rooting yeah, yeah. part of you kind of it's kind of rooting for him because he's like it's not his fight it's his dad's fight yeah. like his dad's putting all this pressure on him yeah. and, and Vic's like, just like this. yeah it's kind of like when your parents are living vicariously through yeah. you i felt sorry for him mm. um and like you said, he's a vulnerable character, mm. um, and you don't get to know him too much, but you, you can see so much about him. Yeah. Um, and and like, even at the end, like when his him and his dad kind of, his dad's kind of like you, you, like you said, you thought Ivan was going to walk away. Yeah, when the mum walked loses. away, I thought he was going to be like, oh, I, I thought I, he was going to see that they were losing. Just, and just but I think Ivan kind of came to terms with the fact that they're not going to be accepted back into yeah. Russia and kind of just rekindled with Victor yeah. and was like, don't worry, you yeah. know, I'm proud of you sort of thing. And even like, I wanted, there's one more thing I want to, but while you're talking about, there's one thing I want to say about the fight, but while you're talking about this, um, so like, you've got a like, nice sort of parallel where, uh, like at the end of the film where Ivan and his son, they're jogging and they're kind of, you can see like, they're trying to like, rekindle their relationship and then you've got um, Adonis talking to his dad's grave with his daughter and Bianca as well, they have a nice moment and then you've got Rocky yeah. rekindling with his son and his grandson. Yeah. So it's a nice like free little free arc. Sort and of. also Milo Ventimiglia plays Robert again like he did in Rocky Balboa, which mm. you haven't seen, but uh, it was a nice little yeah kind of callback. And there was also so like I said my set first or second favourite part of the film was when um the trading montage. Then my the other one, which I'm not sure if is my favourite or my second favourite, is when they're fighting and then this thing, I think it was really well, really it was all really well shot. So like I think uh, Drago knocks uh, a Creed down and he's just like on the floor and everything just goes dark and he's just seeing like he's not hearing noise, just hearing like, individual people. Like he sees Rocky like shouting a bit, sees Bianca shouting a bit, sees his mum saying like get up, Donnie, get up, and then he just gets up, gives him a couple combos, knocks to the floor, and then the Rocky music starts playing and then everyone in the theater started clapping. Yeah, I think, was, that's, I think that's the same when I was saying like building adrenaline with yeah. the training montage. That all literally came to a head. Yeah, like the audience were li- it was like watching a live a proper match. fight. Yeah, all the audience were like cheering, yeah. like when and even when they were punching, yeah, like when people going all oh, like even yeah. when he got back cracked his ribs. Proper, like oh, it's sick. Bro. Elicited a proper response, yeah. and I think that 
when you watch a film in that environment, again, it amplifies it, makes mm. it better. Mm. If we'd watched that on DVD in our own homes mm. and hadn't watched it in the cinema, I would probably would have enjoyed the film, yeah. but it's that extra element yeah. of... And I didn't watch Creed in the cinema, I watched that on DVD, but mm. but having, yeah, that actual reaction uh, mm. made it so much better for me. Mm. Um, and I think, I, I think you agree with me in the sense that I prefer this one to the first. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah, really, really good film. And even, I feel like, I think I said to you before the film started that I thought the first Creed lacked a bit of heart. Mm. I, wasn't, I myself wasn't really sure what I meant by that. But even in this one, I feel like Michael B. Jordan in particular has a couple of really, really emotional moments. So the uh, when he's been beaten up and he's in the hospital and Rocky's like chatting to him and he's kind of like, even like, kind of like a shame sort of thing, a shame of, yeah, of yeah. himself. And also like, and like, you tell he's embarrassed and he's just like, you can just tell like he's completely in like a shell of, of what he was before the fight started. And there was that bit and there was the bit where he couldn't get his baby to stop crying. Yeah. And like, he was just got, he like brings to, brings him to the gym and like, he could like, he, at this point his confidence is like completely shot and he's just like punching the, going to the punch bag, he's just go, 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 go until he starts, starts screaming. Which I just thought was really like emotional. And then he says like to his baby like, oh yeah, your dad's acting like a bitch. Sort of yeah. Which yeah. was quite funny as well. Yeah, it has an emotional punch as mm. well as like a literal punch. Yeah. Like, you know, Bianca doesn't have too much to do, but yeah. but you can see there's a development in her hearing loss, and like yeah. there's parts of her where like her her career is getting bigger, yeah. and like you know, they could probably could have focused on it more. But I, I do think... want to talk to you about that actually. Okay, but then obviously you have got like the baby being deaf, yeah. you got Adonis rekindling with his mum because they had a very fraught relationship. Again, kind of Rocky and his son. Like there's a lot of emotion in this, mm. and uh, again I think it's it, I was worried that it just be like a sequel where it was just like we'll do a bit more of the same but yeah. not as well yeah so what do you want to talk about with Bianca so um, someone tweeted I don't follow this one or anything but it just got retweeted onto my Twitter uh, I'm paraphrasing but she basically said that uh, Creed 2 is a decent film but it suffers from the fact that no f- no female in the film has anything meaningful to do unless it is something to do with Creed yeah and she said, uh, oh, I can't what she said. Shit. That was the main point, but she said something, something, something else. And I was like, I agree, and what you're saying is correct, but is that that big of a problem in a film that it's just about Creed? A boxing film. A boxing film about. Which is a very. I know most things are male dominated, to be oh, fair. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm. I mean. Can, can you. can Sorry, can a film. So like if I if I had a film called uh, so like for like even Bohemian Rhapsody for example is a film basically about Freddie Mercury yeah could I be pissed off that the film wasn't more about his um his girlfriend slash best friend sort of thing no because it's not about the film's not about her. I guess the argument is that that's a real life yeah. situation whereas yeah, true. Adonis Creed is not a real good character point. Good point. Good point. but I feel like maybe if you focus more on the Bianca story then it detracts from Creed. Yeah. And it, again, like you said, it is about Creed. Yeah. Maybe there just needs to be more screenwriters and directors um, making stories about women mm. or about men and women who are equal. Like, that's that's fine. I think in a boxing film, which is continuing the legacy of Rocky, which yeah. started in the 70s, yeah. which, again, all of those films are very male-dominated. Mm. Like, yeah, you need to break away from that. But if it's continuing that, then I think it's 
fine. Like she does have stuff to do. Mm. I mean, you could. Well, they argue... moved. They moved to. They moved to LA so she could sign with the yeah. record label. And I mean, okay, you could say, all right, she falls into the the kind of archetype of then just becoming a mother. But mm. but actually, she's the one who's questioning whether she even wants to be a mother. She's mm. like, mm. because Adonis is like, oh, you want kids? Mm. And she's like. Yeah, didn't want them now. Because, yeah. like, you know, it's obviously going to impact her career and everything. Mm. Um, so Especially because she's got, like, limits. Because she's put with no death scenes. I'm sure that's going to affect yeah. her. So she has, like, a, a big kind of, you know... I suppose they could have dived into that there. a little bit more. They could have dived into her insecurities by having children, maybe having children a little bit yeah. more. But then, I reckon people... Some people might have complained that her only problems were to do with children, not her. Yeah. Not, so, you know, sometimes... Sometimes, sometimes I think... Um, you you can't please everybody. You can't. And I think on another point, you've got to kind of commend these films for featuring African American mm. characters. You mm. know, they you know they could have focused it a lot more on Rocky Balboa. Yeah. But you know, the first Creed had Ryan Coogler as director. Has you know Michael B. Jordan has what's her name Tessa Thompson Tessa you know Thompson, yeah. so again like you can commend the producers or whoever for taking this in a direction that takes it away from kind of the white man yeah you know because yeah. they could have just had Rocky's son mm. becoming a boxer mm. but no they're for, well, focused on Creed true um, true shout out um, shit his name is Stephen Stephen Capel Jr I think is his name is the director of this film yeah it's his second feature isn't it mm. which is Solid job. Mm. So yeah, we understand that point about about females yeah. and women representation, but again, like, so I'm actively trying to make an effort to watch more female-led films. Yeah, definitely. I do. I want to watch. I still, I still want to go on Spy as well. Yeah, I'll watch that next week. Um, and then there's, yeah, and they don't resort to fridging, which is, uh, what uh, is a term where the female character dies, oh, and then that is the impetus for the male to do something. So like in Deadpool 2, when his girlfriend dies, okay. and then he's like, okay, I need to go start right. doing shit. Right. So they, they call it fridging. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it comes from, uh, I might be wrong, but the first instance when a female was actually like died and put in a fridge, and then the, that kind of, the, right. the term's coined from that. But um, yeah, so, and there's also another measure of female involvement in film oh, I heard, yeah I heard about this where oh. women two female at least two female characters have a conversation that does not revolve around it. men that was it yeah or I is about that. something yes, men do yeah. um, and again obviously Creed 2 would fail the Bechtel test but I think it's that's what yeah because they did they did chat but it wasn't it was about Donnie yeah, yeah. but then again like the film's about him, man. I know. I, know. <laughs> I can't. Do you know what? I don't. I don't want to come off as insensitive, but the film's called Creed. It's about. It's about Adonis Creed. Do you know what I mean? Like, even in the. Even in this one, like, like he obviously, yeah, he gets majority of you know screen time and you know story arc and everything like that. Rocky gets very little, I would say, obviously apart from the little bit with his son. Yeah, yeah. At the end, and then obviously Victor Creed gets a little bit. So I suppose you can kind of say that like he's. Yeah, it's a lot more male focused, but they're all boxes in it. It's a boxing film. Yeah, so I mean, I don't see it as a problem in this sort of film. No. Um, I would. Would you watch a Creed three? Yeah. That me- that film would. Creed two made me want to watch the Rocky films a lot more so than the first Creed did. There are two or three really good Rocky films. 
there's one and then one bad. I think Rocky Five is bad yeah. in memory, but Rocky One's definitely good. You should definitely watch that. Mm. Um, I don't know where they would go with a Rocky, uh, sorry, a Creed Three. No, but, but I would, I would still watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So last week we had, well, certainly me personally didn't have much positive to say about films. Mm. This week. Definitely two good ones, Wreck It Ralph two and Creed two. Would two you... sequels that actually are better than the first. Than the I think so. Yeah. So that's rare. That is rare, very rare, especially two in one one week. What um, what do you rate that out of ten? I'll give it an eight. See, I want to give it an eight point five, but I'm not sure if it's worthy of eight point five status. No, I reckon it's like an eight point two five. Yeah, or I think so. Yeah. <laughs> like eight point three. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you said, like, so we're gonna do a end of the year you know, review top 10 and everything yeah. in a couple of weeks. Yeah. You said that this probably fits in your top 10. Probably. Yeah, almost definitely. Almost definitely. Is almost, that, yeah. again, recency bias? It might be. But off the top of my head, I would think that... So I would think of nine other... That's what I'm thinking. It would be, off the top of my head, the ones that stand out, Black Panther, Avengers, A Star Is Born, and, the, and Creed 2. Off yeah. the top of my head. So top five. Can I... Sorry. I'll just re- really quickly. Because... Uh, I keep and it's really pissing me off. I keep seeing people who are saying, "Oh yeah, Black, Black Panther is basically Lion King." Da 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 da. And I'm just like, how? Apart from that, he's set in Africa. Fine. And uh, Black Panther talks to his dad, who's in uh, another whatever. So it's about a prince, an African prince, taking over the monarchy from his father, who dies at the hands. Well, actually, his father doesn't die at the hands of his brother. No, he doesn't. So, yeah. I don't think they're that. I don't think they're that similar. I'm not gonna lie, because I feel I feel like Thor's kind of similar as well. Thor. Yeah. He, he Is dies it, it's reductionist because, because it's, Af- it's it, that's Africa. what I'm saying. People like if you if if um shit, what was I gonna say? Sorry. If Black Panther was exactly the same, but it was set in Detroit. I feel like people, or if it was exactly the same and they just had white people in it and they were in South Africa, <laughs> I don't think anyone would make the yeah, comparison yeah, yeah, to Lion yeah. King. Yeah. They, do not, it doesn't annoy me because, um, because like, um, Lion King shit or anything. If anything, it's technically a compliment because I think Lion King's a really good film. So you're not like lambasting anyone or anything. No. But it's like, it's like saying, it's like you don't want, like, I feel like a lot of people don't want to give uh, Black Panther its credit. And I understand that some people don't like it. Um, I said some people don't rate it, but I I don't know what I don't know. Maybe it's just the the inner. I think there's a casual racism. I it. think so. I thought... It's like oh, a film about black people. Yeah. Where the father dies, setting Africa. Oh, it's got to be. Lion it's got to be Lion King. I just, I don't know. I feel like if you have the exact same film, but it was full of you know white people and stuff. I just feel like, I feel like people would like it a lot more. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe maybe I'm just maybe I'm just guessing. I don't know. But yeah, it, it I keep seeing it and it just, it really annoys me, man. Yeah. yeah. So, nice. All good. Um, do you want to continue uh, talking about cinema? So you watched. Oh yeah. Oh, Screen God. unseen. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. I want. I really want you to explain it because. Oh my God. So you and my brother saw it. Yeah. And you both said it was fucking weird. Yeah. And my brother, by all it says, like hates it. Yeah. He. By all thought it was absolutely shit. And um. So yeah. Sorry to bother you. I wrote it down. It was like described as like an absurdist dark comedy okay. that highlights the um, highlights uh, highlights the the 
problems with the telemarketing companies or something, something stupid like that. Okay. Yeah. And it was like it was like a magical alternate reality um, uh, fantasy blah blah blah. And I was just like, do you know what? The description matches the film because right, okay. description sounds like absolute bollocks, and the film is just an absolute clusterfuck of stuff. <laughs> so, so it starts off fairly normal, um, but like. I would describe it as like like a, a fourth wall comedy in that there are slight engagements with the audience from okay. from the even so like there's little things such as like um excuse me so um the main character uh, Cassius um he's got a picture of his I think I'm assuming it's his dad like just hanging about somewhere and depending on Cassius's mood or what's happening in the film the picture changes. So like the dad will be like that. The the first picture was just a dad like leaning on a car, like smiling, and then it turned into him like having an unhappy face. Then it turned into him like jumping for joy, and then it turned into him looking really angry. It's little things like that. And there's also like um so Tessa Thompson's in it. She plays um can't remember her name. It's quite bad. I can't remember her name. Sorry. Um, but she plays his girlfriend, and she's cut. She's like a um like a social activist. Um, but she expresses uh she also she like um expresses her her views through what she wears and through like her art and she has does galleries and stuff like that so and she's got like these earrings and so like these earrings are like like super like weird so like one of them one time they, they they say some of them say like kill 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 murder on them and then another one it's got like someone on an electric chair and like shows like different like different signs and it will just zoom in on the on the on the earring so you so you make sure you see what's on the earring. So yeah, Cassius is looking for a job. Do you, do you mind if I if I just no 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 okay yeah Cassius is looking for a job. He can't find a job. Um, he gets a job as a telemarketer. He um, so the way they do the way they show the telemarketing, which is quite uh, funny, is that so he'll pick up the phone. And he'll say like, so there was there was one bit where so like the phone's ringing, and then um, he just drops into someone's room, and these two people just fucking going at it having sex, and he's like, so how those cast screams sorry sorry to bother you, and then they just like cut him off, and they kept doing like different scenarios of that, showing like different people and like their different mind states when they're picking up the phone and stuff like that, and he's getting like nowhere, and uh, an old geezer played by someone can't remember his name, but he's in Lethal Weapon. Uh, Danny, Danny Glover, that's the one. Um, he says you need to use a white voice, and he's like, "What do you mean?" Like people say I talk quite white already, so he's like, "No, no, no, your white voice." And then he puts on some obviously like dubbed vo- or dubbed yeah. or sub dubbed voice, and like um, so he's like, oh, "Okay, I'll start doing that then." So he puts on this white voice, and it's just like proper like nasy, like typical like middle America white man sort of thing, and um, gets really successful, and um, he so whilst he's he like moves up. He gets a promotion whilst his mates, like all the rest of his work and stuff like that, they go on strike because they believe that they're not getting paid uh, their worth, basically, and they want like a cut of like profits and stuff like that. So they're going and they're they're pissed off at him for taking a promotion whilst they were on strike because they're saying, okay. "Oh, like you're supposed to ride with us," sort of thing. Cool. Um, whilst that's going on, um, uh, there's this company called oh, shit. I can't remember what the company's called. But basically they take people in give them food and stuff but they in ex- food and shelter in exchange for them doing work but they don't get paid so it's like so socialism of, essentially well almost. kind of yeah but yeah. they're like it's kind of like modern day slavery sort of thing yeah okay um that like that that sort of angle 
and um, Cassius uh, goes up to this next to this next level to work for these um, to work for these uh, the higher ups. I think they're called power callers. So he becomes a power caller, and he's saying like, so like, what am I selling, sort of thing. And it gets, uh, the guy uh, who's like the head head geezer there, played by Omari Hardwick, which is Ghost in Power. Um, he's got a white voice as well, which is <laughs> it gets kind of irritating after a while. I'm not gonna lie, but um, so he says, oh yeah, you're selling uh, you know like arms deals to fucking Syria, and <laughs> you're you're uh, you're gonna be like the head um, recruiter for this um, this company that's like modern day slavery. That company, you're head recruiter for them, you know, doing all this shady stuff. But you know you're just picking up a phone and you know making the call, so you're not really that involved in it. So he's like, okay, whatever, does it all for the money. Moves out of his uh of his uncle's um garage and moves into his own flat and becomes a bit of an arsehole. And then there's this there's this there's this thing that happens where, like he becomes like a meme a a, a a viral meme um at which like the people are protesting and he's just like trying to get into the building to go to work and one girl says like smile bitch and then she got a can of coke and she throws it out his head and he's like bleeding and shit and that becomes like a viral meme. And I'm thinking, like, is this supposed to be funny? Because I didn't find it very funny, like, this meme. Everyone's, like, laughing and finding proper jokes. Not in the film, like, in the, oh, in the okay. film. Everyone's, like, finding proper jokes. I'm just like, that's not that meme-worthy. <laughs> and the people, like, running around with, like, little... Because he's got, like, a, like, um, afro-ish hair. So everyone's got, like, little afros with Coke cans stuck to them and stuff like that. So, yeah. So that's happening. So, yeah. Um, he's making a killing as this... Um, uh, you know, this sick power caller. And his boss says, right, we want you to meet the head of... Um, so at this point, you know, sorry, let me just quickly break. At this point, the film's going pretty much where I thought it was going to go. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is a, it's an okay film. You know, it's not amazing. It's not terrible. I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. So then he goes to he goes to this guy's house who runs this uh, slave company. Yeah. And um, he feels like uh, Cassius feels proper out of place at this party. And uh, it's full of white people. And the, the, the boss guy says... Oh, uh, tell us a story because um, I've heard everyone else's story around here. You must have been shot at some point because it's set in Oakland, I think. You must have been shot at some point or you must have bust a cap in someone's ass or something like that. And he's like, no, I've never been shot. Um, but, and then he's like, he hasn't really got a story to tell. And he says, okay, so rap for us then. And he's like, I can't really rap either. I'm not going to lie. He's like, nah, come on, rap for us. And then he gets up on some stairs, tries to rap. It's really bad. And everyone's just staring at him and he goes, and he, then a beat starts playing background. And he just go, he just starts, looks at everyone and goes, he says, <laughs> so like the N word and then shit. So he goes, N word shit, N word shit, N word, N word, N word shit. And then everyone just looks at him like, yeah, and starts uh, cheering along with this, with this song. So he's, he's not saying anything apart yeah. from the N word and shit next to it. But everyone's like fucking buzzing and loving it. So yeah, that, 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 was, that was fucking stupid. And uh, so yeah, after that, um, he has a meeting with this boss. This is that's like a party or something. This is like a party. Um, he's like really drunk and. Uh, doing drugs and stuff does it sniff, sniff some cocaine off this guy's desk and this guy says I want you to join my company as um, our um, like team leader or something like that and you're uh, you're going to earn a hundred million dollars um, but you first you have to watch first you have to watch this video and he's like oh can I go to the toilet quickly because I'm busting for a piss and he's like yeah yeah second door on the right you go through the, the J door or something like that so he goes out goes through the, goes through the wrong door there's, there's someone in the toilet and um the guy's like, help me. The guy talks like, help me. And he's like, I don't think I can help you, sort of thing. And then, because I bend on the door, like, help me, help me. And he's like, okay, okay. Goes to the toilet, opens the stall, and this, like, monster horseman. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, like, horseman with, like, an, a 
13 inch knob just, <laughs> just walks out and he's like Aah! on the floor like kill me and Kes is like what the fuck and he's just like yeah I know and the look on your face is what I <laughs> the look on your face is exactly the look I had on my face when I was watching this fucking film so yeah Kes is like runs out and he's like oh my god that's a horse <laughs> Oh my god, there's a horse man. It's like, what the fuck was that I just saw? Like, get me out of here, sort of thing. He's like, you should have let me, you should have, I told you to go through the jade door. He's like, I was the jade door. I was like, no, that was the olive door. It's a clear difference. And he's like, you should have let me, you should have let me uh, go through the video first. So then he shows him the video. And basically the video is uh, the plan of this company, this slave company, because people are getting, um, their productivity is going down. So their plan is to um, give these uh, workers some magical cocaine and turn them into horsemen so that they work harder and they complain less. And he says to Cassius, I want you to become our our uh, team leader as a horseman. Oh my God. So Cassius is like, he's, he's remembered now, like, so he snorted cocaine, cocaine. cocaine. So he was like, would you give me, like, was that cocaine? Blah, 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 blah. Like, getting really angry. I was like, calm down, that was just regular cocaine. And he was like, oh, okay, cool. So yeah, then after that, Cassius decides that yeah, enough of this company. Like they turn people, they want to turn people into horsemen, so we have to take them down. So he organises. He joins like the protest with the other people. Quits his job, obviously. And uh, yeah, they have a big old protest, and um, it turns violent. The police come, and then he's like, um, Cassius is like, oh, we're gonna need like. We're gonna need like all the full reinforcements we can get, sort of thing. So he hatches a plan to go to the fucking back to that uh, person's house and releases all the horse people. And the horse people come out and they start fighting. <laughs> they start fighting. And Cassius is like Cassius gets captured or something and he gets chucked to a van. So he's just like watching what's going on through like a little hole in the van and he just sees like bare horse people fucking people up and stuff. And then he gets out of the uh... and then there's, there's horse people are naked and their knobs are just swinging. <laughs> oh, and uh, and uh, yeah, so he gets out of the um. He gets out of the van and then he's like, like speaking really loudly and slowly to the horse person because he thinks he can't understand him. And the guy's like, chill, my name's Rashad or something like that. <laughs> and, then, and then he was there, like, just walks away. He's like, Thank, thanks for helping us. And they just walk away. So yeah, they managed to get that comp- the company shut down because of the you know exposure of horse people and stuff like that. And his life fairly goes goes fairly back to normal. And um, what else? Ha- yeah, his, his life goes fairly back to normal. And he moves back into his that into his uncle's um, garage, and he like gets himself a you know a decent car because he had a really flashy car before. So he goes back to like he gets like a Ford Focus or something like that. Gets a decent car. He's like, yeah, I'm happy that um, my life can go back to normal sort of thing. Then he shuts the door in his garage, and he's like, ah! And he turns around, and he's, he's turning into a horse, and um, and then oh and God. then <laughs> and then the end credits start to roll, and then it flips to this boss, the boss guy, and he's like in his house just chilling. And then he gets, uh, he sees on his intercom that um, there's people at the door, and he's like, and it's like four horse horsemen, and one of them's Cassius, and he's like, sorry to bother you, bother you motherfucker, but I'm here. Da, da, da. And then he just like storms into the house and about to fuck him up, and the film ends. Oh wow! So it literally like switched, it like, just flipped turned into like body horror kind and, of, and it honestly like human yeah. centipede level. It was weird. weird. Shit. Yeah, strange film. Wow, that strange sounds film. so odd. Yeah. Uh, does it work? Not really. No? Not really. Not in my opinion, anyway. Wow, that sounds so weird. Was there any commentary on slavery? Yeah. 
like a little bit, yeah, little bit, but enough considering this is like um, modern day slavery. Yeah, I'll, to be fair, Tessa, Tessa Thompson's character, she like broke up with with Cassius at one point because he was working for these people, these the slave people, and she was like giving lots of reasons, saying like this is like. Uh, I don't believe in what you stand for anymore. Like, I don't know who you are anymore. Like, slave, this is wrong. Blah blah blah. So there is a bit of commentary. That's and is like, it the dichotomy that the people at this company are white and the people that turn into horses are black, or is it like no? So I don't. Not... I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. To be fair, the only person we see getting turned well turned into a horse is Cassius. Okay. Obviously, I'm assuming like by the voice, I'm assuming the guy who's Rashad, whatever his name was, I'm assuming he was a black guy as yeah. well. Because his voice. So there is the black clear person. parallels. I guess so, yeah. And I guess also there's, you know, conflating black people with animals. Yeah. Is also quite a. Um and yeah, there was a there was a bit a little bit as well. It was quite strange with Tessa Thompson. Um, she had like an art gallery thing, and then she said, so one of her displays was she was like basically naked, where she had like things over her parts. And she said, "There's um, there's there's batteries and empty bullet shells and pig's blood dotted around the room. I'm gonna recite this line from this. I think it was Macbeth or something. And whilst I do it, you guys can throw stuff at me as you see fit." So she's just like reciting this stuff, and people were throwing batteries and stuff at her and pig's blood and whatnot. And yeah, that was uh, okay. I was, don't know what the point of that. Is. That was quite weird. And, uh, <laughs> it sounds so fucking weird, man. It's like... very weird. And. People were telling people on Twitter were like, "Yeah, film of the year." And really, I was like, "In what way?" I don't know. And I was like, "You can respect the kind of uh, outlandish nature of it, yeah. but because c- clearly there's this, I feel like clearly there's some sort of message behind this film. And maybe the way I've explained it to you doesn't p- convey what the message is. But I don't know what the message is, so I can't le- relate to you in the in the way where you'd see what the message I mean, is. It's an absurdist dark comedy." Set in like a magical fantasy rea- alternative reality. Oakland. Okay, so is it commentary on telemarketing, on the mundane nature of life? Or... I mean, I suppose they kind of, I suppose the film's kind of based around the telemarketing thing in that they do go on strike and, you know, but. Is it about working class life or middle class life or. Yeah, I don't. Maybe I need to watch it. Yeah, but it sounds so weird. It. it comes out like next week. If you want to what on DVD? No, in cinema. Oh, okay. Do you think it would have been better if it continued on the normal narrative? Yes. <laughs> or or start with the horse people ish narrative from the beginning. Right. Don't just flip it one eighty like because yeah. I it got to a point where I was like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. Like yeah, it was it it's for me it didn't work and to be fair it was absurd the work like I said. Yes. Yeah. So, True. Yeah. Okay. Probably one of the weirdest descriptions. It's probably the weirdest film I've seen all year. All year? Have you seen weirder films than that? Probably at some point. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it's Centipede and things like that. Have you watched that? Yeah. Oh, considering you don't like horror, I'm surprised. It was a Christmas hospital. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't really know how to follow that. Or mm. segue. Mm. Although, talking about absurd and weird, Maniac. <laughs> um, not quite as absurd, but <laughs> in some respects, when Johnny Hill turns into a falcon. Oh, yeah. Um, you finally finished it. <laughs> I did, yeah. Uh, Sounds like it was a bit of a slog. Yours. So, what happens? Give us an overall explanation of Maniac as a series mm. um, and your thoughts on it now you've finished it. Uh, so, Maniac is based on two central characters one Annie, one Owen. Um, Owen has got schizophrenia, uh, amongst other issues, and Annie is basically dealing, yeah, she does drugs and stuff, 
and her life is basically shit. And they both do a drug trial to, you know, get some money and stuff. And to... Think, no, for Annie, I think it's to get money. And, for o, and so she can get the, this drug, because she's been using this drug. She's basically addicted to this drug. And for Owen, I think he's actually doing it because he wants to, you know, better his mental health. I'm assuming yeah. that's what he wants to do anyway. Because it tells you you can come to the root cause of your issues, doesn't yeah. it? And you confront them and then you're fine. That's yeah. the whole kind of pitch of it. Yeah. And so they just... Um, they spend six, seven, eight episodes going through different... So one of... So yeah, going through different scenarios in the head because of this drug that they've taken. And in uh, their scenarios, they basically always end up together because yeah. of some uh, little glitch that happened right before the um, the simulation started. But there's also... Owen sees a vision of... A version of his brother mm. who says like you know, there's a key to the universe and, you know, you'll meet her. Yeah. And he thinks it's her. Yeah. And then, I don't think that's ever resolved, is it? Uh, I don't think so. Because when I was thinking like, oh yeah, so they're joined together, they're in- inextricably linked. Mm. Either they're going to become romantically involved or there is going to be some bigger, like, wider universe saving thing that they have to do. And then by the end of it, it's like, no, they just kind of go on, don't they just go in their separate ways? No, no, they, they get together and they, they travel to Salt Lake City together. Oh, to see her sister. Or sister her sister's grave. Where is she no, died? No? No, I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> okay. Actually, maybe. Maybe sure there was something about Salt Lake City that was important for her. She said she was going to Salt Lake City to see her sister, so maybe it is where she died. Oh, okay. But I thought she died. I, I don't know why I had it in my head that she died in New York. I don't know. It's probably, oh. probably not. But they died on the road because they had a car accident. They did die on the road. Yeah, maybe, there was, maybe it was Salt Lake City or around that area. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so they spent like six episodes or so just in the in this uh, alternate universe whilst on the outside um, one of the doctors dies. The Japanese doctor. I'm sure he's Japanese. I might be wrong. He dies and then that causes their supercomputer to, who's like uh, artificial intelligence, that causes her to become depressed and she starts fucking up all the simulations. Yeah. Threatening to kill people and that. Cool. Um, And they bring in this other doctor who, when we first see him, he's just like wanking on simulation. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) And he, he used to go out with one of the other doctors and then the, the the machine he basically built that machine or it was his plan or whatever and that machine is based on his mum who is like a self help doctor yeah and yeah so whilst the simulation is happening on the outside on the inside sorry on the outside they're trying to re- see why the computer is like fucking up and uh, what else happens on the outside um, the mum goes into the into um, the thing that thing's called Greta, which I think is the mum name as well, right? Yeah, the mum goes into the machine to try and figure out what's wrong with Gertie. it. Gertie. Gertie, that's it. She goes into it to try and figure out what's wrong with it, and then the computer basically friends like kill her or something, and then she's like, oh, you to shut down all of this immediately, blah, 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 and then the two doctors are like, no, we have to continue, otherwise it'll set us back so far, and blah, blah, and then the supercomputer starts malfunction and trying to kill people, and they're like, oh, fuck, we have to shut the whole thing down. And then they do that. And, uh... <laughs> what else? What well, there's, else there's a whole kind of subplot that Owen's brother has done something... Oh, yeah. Like, sexual harassment or sexual something harassment. like that. I think he pissed on someone. Yeah, and... On a woman, on a lady. Oh, okay, yeah. And they're basically trying to get Owen to that lie for him yeah. to say to that... To keep him out of prison. Yeah, to keep him out of prison. And so that's, like, a bone of contention. Yeah. But I feel like... And to be fair, that kind of that kind of 
works its way into the story with uh, when Owen's like a gangster. Yeah. And um, his dad, and he's like snitches, they are asking him to snitch on his dad. And he gets like really, uh, really aggy about it. And all his brothers are there. And then uh, one of his brothers gets killed. And then uh, he's like meets up with these policemen who he's, um, who he's been plotting with to turn over, turn on his dad. And then another policeman comes and shoots both the policemen with a yeah. shotgun. And that's his brother, um, um like his real life brother, obviously yeah. not in the simulation. Or is it his brother? No, it's brother in simulation as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. sorry. It's brother, his half brother in simulation or whatever. I don't know. And then Owen's like, what the fuck? And then uh, his mate come, comes in who's his lawyer in real life and shoots that guy, shoots the brother and shot half. Him, <laughs> shoots him and literally shoots him in half. Well, that was kind of nasty, actually. <laughs> shoots him in half. And then Owen like runs off and um, gets with this girl called Olivia who represents a girl who... He thought liked him in real life, but she was actually, I think she was paid by her parents to like, to say she yeah, liked him. Yeah, and he ended up stalking her, didn't he? Yeah. And then he runs, in the simulation, he runs off of her, has seven kids around and fucks off. And I was dead, dead move. Um, <laughs> Deadbeat dad. And then yeah, that's when he turns into a falcon. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when he turns into a falcon. I mean, it's Annie who's having like, so at the same time, having some like Game of Thrones related. Yeah, you know, like RuneScape-esque thing. sort of thing. I feel in. like... The whole point of this drug trial was, was for them to work through their problems. Yeah. And they do to an extent, but I feel like it wasn't... It, it was so either so subtle. I wanted it to be a bit more explicit. I think... Um, sorry, go on. And I was also... I feel like I wanted some... I feel like it was building up to some big kind of philosophical yeah. kind of understanding. Yeah. And it kind of just petered out. Mm. And I was just like, oh. You know, it was just kind of like, oh yeah, Charles finished... You know, we're going to Salt Lake City. Like, he's mm. he's still... A, he doesn't... He does um, get his brother sent to prison, though, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Um, but I feel like nothing much is resolved. Do you know what? I didn't mind the way it ended because I... Well, I feel like Annie got uh, closure, I guess. I feel, yeah. like, I feel like the job worked for her because she, you know, finally said goodbye to her sister. You know, she got that closure and she can she moves on with her life. Owen, not so much because he was still fucked up at the end of the... Yeah. And then the trial. Fair play, he does tell the truth and gets his brother sent down, um, which I which I liked. And I like I liked how it ended. I liked them her going to the mental hospital to rescue him and then them going off and you know doing whatever. I, I liked that bit, but that was the only bit I liked for about five episodes. Yeah. I, it started off. I was intrigued for about the first three or four episodes, and then it got to. There was one simulation where I was just like, "This is so boring." It might have been. It might have been the that. one where they're trying to get the ferret or something. Do you know what? I didn't mind that. I think that was the first one. I didn't mind that oh, yeah. one, but it got to a point where I was like, "There's too many simulations. I don't care." It was like the nineteen, the nineteen forties one. Oh, and they're trying to find. The, I didn't even uh... understand what was going on in that one. I was so bored. I was like, "Oh my god, this is fucking shit." Yeah, I kind of felt I was trying to find so much meaning in it because yeah. it was so odd and yeah. so like. I don't know, like trying to be philosophical or yeah. whatever, and I feel like I didn't get as much out of it as no, I, I definitely was didn't. hoping. Definitely didn't. And it was so weird, and for it to be that weird, I was like disappointed. I was like, mm. you need to either continue it and end it with something really weird and unusual. Mm. But it kind of just was just like, oh yeah, it's just normal life. Now. Mm. I don't know. Really, really weird. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those things. I'm like, what is the point? Yeah, I was saying to you, if it wasn't if it wasn't ten episodes, I wouldn't have watched it. Yeah. 
And if there, if I knew there was going to be season two, I would not have watched it. I only no. watched it because it was limited series, and I think this is is hoping anyway. Excuse me, this is all there's going to be. And I, by the time I got bored, I think I was already six episodes in. So I was like, there's only four left. I might as well just finish it. Yeah, I was exactly the same. Mm. Um, yeah, average, series, very average. Series. Yeah, yeah. I think again, I think the cast and the director involved. I was thinking like, yeah, this needs to be a lot better. Mm. Like Joan Hill, Emma Stone. Uh, Kerry, Justin through Kerry Fukunaga Kerry Fukunaga who's doing the next James Bond film apparently mm. yeah it was a bit yeah. disappointing I'm sure the actors had a good time because they all got to play like, loads of different roles and stuff like that so I'm sure they enjoyed that although I feel like Owen or Jonah Hill pretty much had to play the same character but just wearing different, different clothes yeah. whereas at least Annie kind of got to play different characters for a little bit which was nice I would have liked to have seen thing. actually more scenarios because they could have do you think well, there was three. And there was only three. Felt like there, seven. Wasn't there just three? <laughs> I don't know. They felt like there was way like more. They could have done more, <laughs> and it could, that's the what I think. If they base the series at that, like you can live different versions of yourself. Yeah. Fair enough. Without like this whole exploration of grief or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was it was odd, and I wouldn't recommend it. No, but I wouldn't recommend it either. But you got two more TV shows you want to talk about. How to Get Away with Murder and Scandal. Um, Isn't one of them finished completely now? Yeah, Scandal's finished completely. I'm going to do run through these really quickly. Oh, I also watched um, I watched the first episode of House of Cards, the new season of House of Cards. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, in that, Frank's dead. And um, they haven't told us how yet, but Claire's having trouble um, getting people to like respect her authority sort of thing. So like the vice president's having meetings in the Oval Office with her and shit like that. So she's trying to like, you know, get people to like see her as like Frank's equal sort mm-hmm. of thing obviously now especially now that he's gone yeah so yeah that was the first episode um but she didn't do it it annoyed me because you know when Frank does like the little knock knock on the wood when she didn't do it and I, she, yeah. put the, she put the ring on but she didn't I think she, I think she put the little finger up instead so oh, okay fair, fair enough so yeah that was uh, interesting and uh Scandal Scandal's finished now um well it finished like five months ago but I only just got around to watching the end of it um Olivia Pope I suppose get to have it happily ever after with uh, with Fitz, um, but the whole premise of it was that um, the vice president was um, framing the president for his attempted murder. That makes sense. So the president had someone tried to murder the president. Someone tried to murder the vice president. And the vice president is framing the president for trying yeah. to kill the vice president. Exactly. Okay. So he was behind the whole attempt on his own life. But he wanted to frame her so that she gets done for treason and he becomes the president. Yeah. And the basically the final two episodes is about the the whole scandal team trying to say like we need to nail Cypress to the like we need to get him out because he's a cancer and he keeps fucking everything up and just sorry, sorry Cyrus is the vice president. And he keeps he's just like the most conniving person. like you cannot trust him. Even sitting go with friends. You cannot trust he's like kinda of like Peter Baelish. Okay. Yeah, you just can't trust him at all. Um so yeah. Um, and ba- basically, the only, they've all done like bare legal shit, and they basically say that like pretty much the only way we can um, we can uh, get Cyrus out is if we all say all the shit we've done, uh, you know, because they're part of they've got this secret organization called B six thirteen that like no one knows about. It's like above the CIA, above the president, sort of that sort of thing. So they blow the top on on that whole organization, and there's like full blown news. So like all the people who are involved in, in B613, they all say, yeah, I did this, I did this, I did this, to this, like, special jury. And, um, in the end, so, like, the former leader of B613 is 
Olivia Pope's dad. So his name is uh, uh, Eli Pope, who is comfortably the best actor on the show. Like, com- okay. Comfortably. Like, I wish he was in House of Cards because he's like, because okay. he's like, he's got that bravado and like, well, yeah. he, does, he does, he does at least like one speech in an episode. I mean, it's always, it's <laughs> always very captivating. Um, so yeah, he was sick. And so, but he basically, he basically, he was going to get off scot-free because he wasn't involved with B613 anymore. Yeah. But he goes in front of the, uh, not Supreme Court, the, um, the Senate, Senate hearing and basically says, this was all me. Um, uh, basically, I've owned all of the past few people for, I've owned all of you for the past three decades. I've controlled this country for the past three decades. And he says, um, so like there's this other evil guy called Jake. And basically he says, would you rather America know that um, the, that they've been been uh, ruled by a black man for the past three decades? Or would you rather just pin it on this white guy who has done some evil shit, but obviously not as much as me. And they're like, fuck, they've pin, pin it on this white guy, Jake. So he goes to prison for treason. <laughs> so he's fucked. And David Rosen... With his last, I um, know, Dave Rosen is the Attorney General of the uh, United States. He's like the only good person on that show, right? He's, he's so dumb. So like, Cyrus, uh, Vice President at this time, invites him to his house for say so says, "I want to confess." So come to my come to my house and I'll get my, you'll get my confession in writing. Okay. They was like, they was like, oh, okay, sure, and he goes to his house. Cyrus offers him a drink. Turns out the drink's poison. Oh. David Rosen dies. Cyrus killed David. Cyrus kills David Rosen, the Attorney General of the United States, <laughs> and basically gets away with it because uh, that uh, that happens. And then um, uh, Eli Pope does all his bravado and stuff like that. So then they throw everyone out. Cyrus signs his resignation because he knows he's fucked now because the president gets off. Basically, everyone gets everyone everyone who confessed to their their illegal shit in the past gets gets let off. Yeah, and yeah, so Cyrus gets away with murdering. He's my, he murdered the president in season six, and then he murdered the attorney general of the United States. He got off with both of them. I know it was ridiculous. And yeah, so like he fucks off, and then David Rosen's dead. His girlfriend Abby, she's you know upset. She's got no one now. And apart from those two, everyone else gets like a nice little happy ever after, I guess. So yeah. Okay. Was it a satisfying ending? No. Why? Because Cyrus, Cyrus, Cyrus got away with it. I thought, it was lo- I thought he was going to kill himself because there was one point where he goes into the Oval Office and he's got a drink in his hand and he basically looks like in a state where he's like kind of given up. So I thought he was just going to drink, drink and then, you know, and then kill himself sort of thing. But he's just like, yeah, and no, I'll come, drinking gin, I'll sign a resignation and you don't see him again. He's like, oh, okay, that's it. So he gets away with killing people. Oh. So that's not satisfying at all. Um, Dave Rosen, the only good person in the TV show, dies. That's not satisfying. And... Um, yeah, apart from that, I suppose Melly's still president, so that was nice. And Olivia Pope got her picture up in the White House. That was that was a nice little touch at the end. Apart from that, poor. So Cyrus could tell someone how to get away with murder. I mean, he could. That was a decent little segue. I won't lie. <laughs> um, how to get away with murder is getting to a point now where um, I feel like the show should finish. Okay. Because people keep dying, and I feel like the people in this show should be a lot smarter than they actually are. Like they're just kind of getting it. Like they're kind of deliberately putting themselves in the shit. Okay. For the sake of drama, I guess. Right. Okay. <laughs> so like, there's this one character called Bonnie. So like, um, she sees um her, I suppose ex-boyfriend at the point, and he's like beaten to a pulp, and um the guy who beat her up, Nate, he, the guy who beat this guy who beat this guy up, his name is Nate, and he beat him up because he believes that um this person who he beat up, he believes that he got his dad killed. 
So that's why he's fucked him up. To the point where he beat him basically within an inch of his life. Yeah. He might have died after he got beaten up. But Bonnie sees that he's like basically dead and decides to cover his mouth and his nose and finish him off. Oh, right. She, 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 she's quite fucked up. So she's got... Some, so there's a, one of the other characters is her and there's Frank and someone, someone tweeted saying like those two are like in a race to see who can catch the most bodies because they just keep killing people for no reason I think I are think, they serial killers? no why do they keep killing people then? to save their own asses, I guess but you would argue both of the people that Bonnie have killed have been unnecessary I, yeah, would, I, okay. I think both of them have been unnecessary she killed someone in like season 2 completely unnecessary and Frank what is Frank? To be fair, Frank has killed people. Frank normally kills people because people ask him to kill people. So he's a hitman. He's basically a hitman, yeah. Okay. But so yeah, it's fair. It's just fair. So fair enough. But yeah, um, um, I still watch it, you know, and it still captivates me because I like how they do like a, they do like a, um, we're starting here and then they have a flash forward here and then at, by the by the end of the series we kind of we meet in the middle if that makes sense. So yeah. We, we we progress in both scenarios and we meet. So I like, I like how they do that. And um, I suppose it does keep me guessing at some points because with How to Get a Murder, what they basically do is somebody, someone always dies and you never know. So we've only just found out, it's halfway through the season, we've only just found out who died, but they told us at the beginning of the season that someone died. So we've been trying to find out for the past eight episodes who was dying. So no, they keep you guessing with little things like that. So that's nice. But What's yeah. the point of it? Um, what, what What's the actual plot? Like, so someone dies and... Yeah, so no, the plot of it is, so the plot for this season... Um, so Annalise is based Annalise is uh, Viola Davis the main character um, she is filing a, cl- a class action lawsuit to try and get um, I think it's like 90, 90 cases in the state of in in Philadelphia or maybe the state of Pennsylvania I'm not sure um, 90 cases of people um, who she feels were wrongly convicted due to lack of um, decent represent- representation for their lawyers, basically. Yeah. So she's so her argument is that, um, you know, the government are underfunding these state-appointed lawyers, and by um, as a result of that, the lawyers are have got are like overworked, so they're not putting in as much effort as they could in these cases, and they're just saying, yeah, take this plea deal, do this. You know, they're not doing their jobs properly, and people get sent away for years and years and years for stuff that they shouldn't get sent away for. Okay, so, so it's she's a trying... legal drama. Yeah, but yeah, with it is. So, yeah, dying often. Yeah, so every season, every season, and she's got like this core of students who like get involved in her hijinks, and basically every season they they, they all accidentally kill someone, or that Annalise hasn't killed anyone yet. Okay. But she basically manages to always get everybody off because she's a sick lawyer. But ev- loads of people hate her, saying, you've ruined my life, but then you lot are going around killing people. So, <laughs> so if, anything, if anything, she saved your life. So, yeah. So, yeah. It's a de- decent, little, decent little show. But I, I wouldn't mind if they ended it after the season. Okay. Mm. I, do I, mean, enjoy, I do enjoy it, though. But Viola Davis is becoming like a really household name like, as, an, as a film yeah, actress. Actor, yeah. So, I'm surprised that she's still working mm. TV. Um, okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? So your shows are ending. Mm. There's still a core bunch that you're carrying on with. Yeah. Does, now one is ended, do you pick up another one? Like, um, how does it work? So, yeah, I have like a, I have loads of shows. I have shows basically that I keep with regularly, and that's the superhero shows. Yeah. Plus, um, plus what else? Actually, no, it's mainly just superhero shows that I keep with okay. regularly. And then I try and fit in the other ones as and when... But some of them, sometimes they do fall by the wayside. So, like, 
shows that are only that are only like ten episodes long or thirteen episodes long. I feel like I can watch a few and then have a, like a six week gap and then watch the rest sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas shows like The Flash and you know Arrow and stuff like that, they're like twenty two episodes. I feel like I have to <laughs> keep you up with it me, because yeah. otherwise, otherwise yeah, otherwise I'm fucked. So like, but yeah. So there's the 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 four CW shows which have twenty two episodes plus. Uh, Black Lightning which has got 16 I think okay so there's that and then Titans I think has got 13 I keep up with that um, I'm behind on The Gifted and then pretty much everything else I watch is are dramas and I don't mind being a bit behind on them and catching up on them as and when so like you know Empire and yeah, uh, Scandal had to go with Maddox. you know all, all those things and then I've got like a few sitcoms which I don't mind letting run because they're only 20 minutes long so I can binge a f- mm-hmm. I can whack a few of them out in like you know a couple hours so yeah so like your South Parks yeah, Blackish Big Bang Theory stuff like that Okay. I'll let that I'll let those ride for a few weeks and watch like three in a row. Is South Park still being really, really controversial? Um, the last episode I watched it was kind of weird. It was the episode where um there's this like piece of poo. Um he's like Mr. Hanky or something like that, and he's like get, he keeps getting high. Like everyone in town hates him and he's trying to organise a Christmas pageant, but everybody hates him. Um and then he keeps getting high at night and then tweeting loads of shit about everyone in South Park. So I'm not sure who that's a digger. Maybe it's a digger Donald Trump or something. Okay. I don't really know. I'm not sure. So yeah, and then everyone runs him out of town and he, they say, oh, they said, I think Randy says, um, he's got to go, now he's got to go to a town that accepts racism and tolerates, um, tolerates uh you know d- degenerates and people like that da, da, da. and then he ends up in like springfield with the simpsons <laughs> oh shit <laughs> <laughs> oh so wow that's, yeah so that's pretty funny i guess okay yeah oh. that, was, that was the last episode i watched we need ollie to come back and uh and tell us about south park yeah. and everything all right cool is there anything else you want to mention before we wrap up uh not really no don't think so what are we hoping to watch in the next couple of weeks? I want to watch the uh, Girl on the Spider's Web. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, fuck, what was I going to say? <laughs> um, fuck, what was I going to say? Uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Comes out in advanced screen this week. But, oh, really? But it's like, yeah, like Wimbledon and that. So oh, fuck it's sake. Long. So I suppose we have to wait till next week to watch that one. That comes out on the, that comes out on the 12th, I think. Okay. And Aquaman comes out, also comes out on the 12th, I think. Hmm. I know which one I'll be watching. Yeah, well. Are you going to watch the Deadpool film? Oh, yeah. It's on the 11th. Once, once Upon a Deadpool. Maybe. If I haven't got anything else to do, I might, I might go see it, yeah. But I'm not going like, to break, break my back to go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be on DVD soon enough. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for what, uh, watching. No, not watching. Listening <laughs> to Your Average Critics. Uh, we'll be back next week for episode 69. <laughs> <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Action!